Everybody doing well? Good. It's been an extraordinary uh, moment uh, being together with all you men. I was telling Pastor Morgan, what great men. The great men of Mosaic. Um, your name suits you so well to see the diversity in this group. And I mean multifaceted diversity, not just ethnicity, age, um, abilities, place in life. It's phenomenal. And I'm enjoying being with you men. I really am. And uh, love your leadership team, all of them. I was thinking back, um, I just met Barnabas and, and Alvin, and they're just tremendous men. Um, love Brett. Um, Brett Milliken and I met, gosh, I don't remember what year it was. 2004, 2005. And uh, um, I got to come and be a speaker at a youth camp here in Texas. And there were probably five churches that were all part of that, maybe 200 youth or something. And he was running the whole camp, doing an extraordinary job. I was just impressed with him then. And seeing him now, and he hasn't aged at all. I'm like, wow. Is it the water in Texas or what? Your wife? I, and, and this is how I remember that moment. Um, I, they gave me graciously the opportunity to bring my whole family. So we all came. My wife, um, my four daughters. My son wasn't with me at, uh, when we came. But uh, before going to the campgrounds, we ate at uh, Fuddruckers near the church. And um, before going to the campsite. And I remember just getting what I normally get at Fuddruckers in Washington, D.C. And I took the bite of the burger and I put it down. And I looked around and said, where are we? I thought this was Fuddruckers because the burgers don't taste like this in D.C. And then it hit me. The ones in D.C. come off the truck. The ones in Texas come from out back. And so, <laughs> You guys just send us your leftovers, your scraps. And, uh, so if you come to D.C., I'm not taking you to a steakhouse. I, I know not to do that. So, but great group, great group of men. And uh, thankful that I get to uh, be with you a little longer this morning. Uh, I want to talk about uh, how as men we keep going. How do you keep going? And I love Jesus, and I pray he's glorified this morning because... He, more than anyone, models for us what it's like to keep going. Um, how do you keep going in your relationship with God? How do you keep going uh, in your relationship with your spouse? How do you keep going uh, with your children? How do you keep going in your responsibilities? How do you keep going in the purpose of God? Um, there are times where in my soul, I'm just flat overwhelmed. And I think, I can't keep going. Can anybody relate? Um, David says it so well in Psalm 119, verse 28. He says, my soul is weary. He says it, my soul is weary. It's overwhelmed. David would regularly speak to his soul. But in this moment, he says, my soul is weary, it's overwhelmed. And then he says, strengthen me according to your word. Now that's really key. Because you know that Jesus... His command of the scriptures, particularly doing his humanity on earth, he would often reference Isaiah, David, or some of the others. And this is tilt my mind. When he references them, he is 
simply referencing the word he gave them. Did you just go tilt on that? I mean, just think about it. David, Abraham, they all heard and received from God. And then here's Jesus in his humanity uh, going back to the scriptures that he himself breathed into those men. I mean, it just works. It, it just works. So um, last night, one of the moments was at the Garden of Gethsemane. I want to go back to that moment. So open your Bible. I want to read um, a, a good bit of scripture and then unpack some things. It won't go as long as I did last night, um, but hopefully there'll be some value and benefit for us this morning. So in Matthew chapter 26, uh, verse 31, I'm going to read verse uh, 31 through 35 first, and then I'm going to pick up, take a little break, and then read 36 going forward. So in Matthew 26, uh, verses 31 through 35, Holy Spirit, I thank you that you're present. We are not our own, we're yours, and I pray that you would strengthen us even in this moment, that the strength we have is not our own, it's yours. The power we have from you is not ours, it's yours. Strengthen and empower men this morning to walk together with you. Amen. Then Jesus told them, this very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. So just want to unpack a few things here that I think are uh, practical for us in terms of application and how we do relationship with God and how we do relationship together as men. Um, When Jesus is here, um, it's flat amazing. He, He says, you will all fall away, all of you. And then he gives the scripture. I'm the shepherd. He says, strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Of course, Peter says, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Now, take away from this. Um, when he expresses his words to these men, how they hear it is so important. Um, I'm convinced that when Jesus is speaking to the disciples, there's software that they just don't have the capacity to run, that they need an upgrade. They need an upgrade because we, like them, are filled with the thoughts of men more than we are the thoughts of God. Jesus says, and through Isaiah, he says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and neither are your ways my ways. And he, he, so this idea that God's thoughts are so high, and so in our church, our men's moment, we call it man up, and by man up, we mean we want our thoughts Somehow, whatever they are, God, let your thoughts become our thoughts. Because if, if we begin to think God's thoughts, then we'll begin to have his attitude, his actions, his habit, his character. And character is, is the crystallation of the way you are, the way you are. And I want his ways to be in me. Morgan and I were together recently, and I said, where I am in life right now is like David, where I considered my ways and I turned my steps. 
And sometimes it's not even sin. It's just learning God's ways. You're still using a cup. He wants you to use a wheelbarrow. Lord, what are the ways in you that I, I get so excited about the revelation, but the revelation never becomes application. I'm still walking around with this cup, talking about my wheelbarrow. Man, God's got a wheelbarrow. Hey, pass me that cup. And it's like, like wait, wait, guys, you need an upgrade. So that's the context of what's happening here. And here's why. He says, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I've risen, here's the part of the software they can't run. They get, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. No challenge. What they don't get is, but after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So the protest that I will die with you is, is a great heart. I believe it's coming from his soul. But what I want you to see is, there's not the ability or the capacity to get what he says, but after I've risen, I will go ahead of you. Which means, even though you're going to fall away, I'm going ahead of you and you're going to come. But they can't run that. It's just stripping their gear. It's like, you need, to, you, need to, you need to upgrade. Somebody looked at my phone last night and said, oh, you got the old iPhone, the 4, you know. But they only have the 5, you know. And so they were, so, you know, the heart of man, the heart of man, just... It, but, but, but Jesus, whatever software he's running, he wants us to come to that. And so to make this point clear, uh, Peter earlier, when Jesus gave them the first indication of what was going to unfold, this is when Peter, um, speaking with the others, had a revelation of who Jesus is. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. So after that, Jesus rejoiced and uh, he said, blessed are you. Simon, son of John, because this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven, and I say unto you all this. And then he, he tells him, now let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to be persecuted, handed over to the elders, the chief priests, all this, and uh, I'm going to be, you know, killed. And on the third day I'll rise. And he said, Peter pulls him aside and begins to rebuke him, and it says, may it never be. You're not going to die. He didn't, he, he's familiar with death. We're so familiar with death, but we're not familiar with resurrection. So when Jesus is saying to him, but on the third day I will rise, he can't run that software. So he's just jumping in on the software that's familiar with them. I'm familiar with death. That's not going to happen to you. So you follow me on this? Because this is important with where we're going. So Jesus then rebukes him. And I, I, I see the progress in Peter's life from that moment to this moment. In that moment, and I just wrote it down three things. In that moment, the first one, basically Peter, the bad deed of his flesh, if you will, he's saying, no one is going to die. Not me and not you, Jesus. Now here at the garden, he's saying, I'm going to die. So that's the good deed of his flesh. How many of you know you can have bad and good deeds of your flesh? So he goes from no one is going to die, but he progresses to I'm going to die with you. But the place that God wants us to get to is help me keep going by dying. Those are the three stages. No one's going to die. I'm going to die with you. Help me to keep going by dying. And you'll see how this plays out. Um, so, moving on. Now, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him and began to be sorrowful. And troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And he goes on. 
He says, going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible, unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Powerful. All right. This has changed my life. In January of this year, I was overwhelmed. And in a moment of prayer, our church is on the go. We're going. And how many of you, like the Holy Spirit said, keep going? That's not what I expected to hear. <laughs> keep going? I mean, how many of you, like, just get to a moment where you're just flat, exhausted, overwhelmed, and you're ready for Jesus to say, rest here? And he says, keep going. It's like, God, keep going? How? Ah, ah. You, anybody just shows, yeah, okay, great. You know, you're working, you're, you're husband, wife, you know, all the, all the whole dynamic. And I see something in Jesus that just floors me. And he's, this is a clinic. This is a master clinic. And he's like, pay attention, don't miss this. He comes into the Garden of Gethsemane with the disciples, everyone except Judas. He tells them, sit here. And then he takes Peter, James, and John a little farther. And it says, he began to be, be troubled and sorrowful. Blows me away. Because it's just a verse you read it. But how many men in here know what it is to be troubled? How many know what it is to be sorrowful? Here's Jesus expressing to three men what he has not expressed to the masses. What he's not expressed in the synagogue. What he's not said to all 12. What he's only expressing to three men. You don't normally see Jesus saying to guys who he's really intimate with, to anybody else. Saying, you see him saying something to those he's intimate with the most that he doesn't say to anybody else. Guys, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. I'm grieved to the point of death. That's vulnerability. This is the son of the living God who in this moment is acknowledging the weakness within himself to keep going in the God-given call on his life. That gives me great confidence. I'm not alone when I'm troubled. I'm not alone when I'm experiencing sorrow. And he's now downloading with the three men, Peter, James, and John, and says, guys, I'm sorrowful. I'm grieved. My soul, he says, my soul, not his spirit. He says, my soul is overwhelmed. The soul has enormous capacity. It can be overwhelmed with joy. It can be overwhelmed with sorrow. It can be overwhelmed with grief, anger. The soul has this enormous capacity, but it by itself cannot continue or keep going in the purpose of God. So he's about to get him. Now here's what we do. Watch and pray with me. He doesn't say pray for me. He says watch and pray for me. There's a moment where men need to walk together where we're praying with each other, not only for each other. He says watch and pray with me so what? We don't fall into temptation. What temptation? 
the temptation of preserving our own life rather than losing it for him and continuing in his purpose. That's the temptation. And so in this moment, he's not asking for a a better sermon or anything else related to talent or gifting. He's saying, I'm watching and praying so that I don't fall into temptation with regard to the ability to keep going. So he says all this, and he goes a, a, a distance from those three, and they're flat tired, guys. I mean, just three years of Jesus will wear you out. You know, there's the planned men's weekend, right? We're all going to get together in Mosaic. Then we're going back Sunday. But Jesus will actually do ministry in between those things on the way. It's called the woman at the well. Wait a minute. Isn't this supposed to be a break? He was weary at the well and still pouring out. So ministry with Jesus is both spontaneous and scheduled, and it's happening all the time. It will wear you out. So you've got to know how to keep going. And uh, if you're a musician playing horns, like circle breathing, how do you keep playing that note without taking, without the note stopping it? Anybody play trumpet, horn, I'm talking about? Yeah, so circle breathing is where you can hold a note for like 30 minutes, nonstop. And you have to be able to, you feel, I'm sorry, I'm off topic, but I've gone there now. You fill your cheeks with air, and you, and you, as you do, you blow it into the instrument while inhaling through your nostrils, so the sound never stops. Yeah, it's, it's a great technique. Anyway off point. <laughs> but that's what it's like for Jesus. You got to breathe while you're still going. <laughs> you just got to get catch your breath without stopping. And I th- I'm thinking, is that possible? Jesus shows what's happened. So he's in the garden. He's overwhelmed, right? He tells them to pray. Watch him pray. What do they do? Had a little biscuit and gravy, falling asleep. <laughs> oh, I'm tired, Jesus. You cast out so many demons. I'm tired, you know, listen. Oh my God, let's just, oh Jesus, he's gone to pray. Come on guys, let's catch, catch a kick. You know, I just need a tight 30 minutes just to power now. And Jesus goes and he prays this prayer. He says, Father, if it is possible. Now that's a legit prayer because the Bible says with God, all things are possible. So he says, if it is possible, please let this cup pass for me. Now remember, he's grieved. He's overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. So this is intense prayer. I mean, I, I'm not going to try to, reenact that moment because I can't but we just as men think of you at your greatest moment of carrying weight because when Jesus went to the cross he's not the first or only man to be crucified but he's the only man to be tortured in that way carrying the aggregate sin of all humanity and the weight on him that if I don't go this humanity is lost forever that's a lot of weight that's a lot of weight anybody see the movie uh, the Guardian, Kevin Costner, Ashton Kutcher. And so he's a, a rescue Coast Guard guy. And uh, Ashton is this champion swimmer who's bragging about how he broke all the records of Kevin Costner's character. And he's sitting in the bar with his girlfriend. And all of a sudden, the, the bar named newspaper article off the wall and said, look, look at this. This was a, uh, some kind of boat carrier. All these men were going down in it. He rescued every single one of them, got them off. And then the last one, when they were bringing the guy up, the, the chain broke and the guy was going to fall. And he reached down and caught him with his fingertips. And he's holding on with his fingertips and holding the other guy. And it said, tore every ligament in his shoulder. Everything is dislocated. And yet he looks at that man and says, don't worry, I won't let go. It's a powerful scene in the thing. I'm like, whoa. And that's Jesus calling all of us saying, don't worry, this is going to kill me, but I won't let go. That's the kind of weight 
that he's carrying and your soul can't handle that. It starts stripping the gears. So how do you keep going? So Jesus prays that the first time and he feels the weight. So what's happening is in his soul, he's overwhelmed. So he's praying so that he will engage with, with the spirit of God because the spirit of God is that which governs the soul of a man. Hebrews 4 says the word of God, verse 12, the word of God is sharper than any, the word of God is powerful, it's alive, it's active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates as far as the division of soul and spirit, which means they're not the same. Soul comprises your thoughts and your emotions, your will. Spirit is that part of us that when we are regenerated by God is alive and is just like him. It's the part of us that's most like him, and it's how we receive everything from God. The strength that's his becomes ours. The power that's his, the wisdom, all that's in God pours into us, and spirit can receive from his spirit. Does that make sense? So many of us as men are trying to live our lives out of our soul rather than live by the spirit. And we can be driven in our soul to get things done, but the spirit is the only thing that can go the distance. And the spirit can govern the soul. You know when you need to put the fork down and you can't stop. In your soul, you want to keep going. I just want some more of that extra moist Rudy's just, you know, and the banana. But it's the spirit that has to govern the soul because the soul won't say no. I mean, it'll say no, but it won't stop. Hello? So what he's doing is in that first prayer, it is the tension between the spirit and the soul and he's battling. So after he prays it the first time, then he comes back to them, and they're what? Sleeping. So he goes back, and now the second prayer is slightly different than the first prayer. And I'd never seen this before. He says this. The first prayer is, if it is possible. The second prayer is, if it is not possible. That shift, gentlemen, is so significant. He just went to another gear because he's shifting into the spirit not the soul. When he says, if it is not possible, that is the spirit stepping in and beginning to rule over and govern his soul. The weight on him is equally the same, but the soul which can't carry the weight, now the spirit says, I got this. Goes back a second time. They're still sleeping. He wakes them up. Then he prays the third time, and it says that the third time he prayed the same prayer. Not the same as the first, the same as the second. So increasingly, his spirit is being strengthened and his soul is coming into submission to the spirit of God ruling in him. Now he's ready to what? Keep going. He entered the garden overwhelmed, grieved with sorrow to the point of death. But he's going to leave the garden with the same weight, but now strengthened. How do I know? Luke is the only one who records something, which I believe is a third prayer. I won't turn there, but it's in Luke 22. I think, or Luke 24, I'm not sure. But it says that while Jesus was crying out, it says an angel appeared to him and strengthened him. That strength from the Holy Spirit buoyed him up so that he could carry the weight. Now, how strong was he? Oh, my God. Guys, this, is, this, this rocks my world. In that moment, he has this experience where he's praying. And... When he is strengthened, he comes back and says, are you still sleeping? So Jesus, three times of praying, is disowning himself. That's what he's doing. 
He's disowning himself and then being strengthened by the Spirit. So that when Judas comes and betrays him with a kiss and the guys wake up, remember what Peter and all of them said, even if I have to die with you, right? I will. So what happens? They walk up and they said, where's, he says, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus. He says, I am he. When he says, I am he, the density of the strength that's resonating in him rides on his words and it knocks them back and they fall to the ground. They don't even have the capacity to arrest him. He has to surrender to him. And if he was living in his soul, he would try to save his life. But because he's in the spirit, even though he's stronger, he just says, I am he. They fall down and then he puts his arms out to be arrested. That's a bad brother right there. That's a bad brother. I want to be like Jesus when I grow up. That's a bad brother. Who are you looking for, Jesus? I am a like bowling pins. Come on, you can take me now. Woo! That's my God. Teach me that move. How do you do that? Here's Peter who says in his soul, instead of disowning himself three times, here's Peter now pulling out a sword. He reaches for the guy swings, cuts off his ear. Now, my take. He was not a swordsman. He was a fisherman. He was casting his line. A swordsman would have gone that way. Take the guy's head off. But Peter, fisherman, is going like this. Agreed. Cuts the guy's ear off. And then Jesus says what? This is how he's been strengthened. You can tell he's no longer grieved. He says, put it away. How shall we not fulfill the scriptures? See, he's full of the spirit, full of the word. I'm, I'm down with this plan now. I'm good. It's all good, Peter. Hold, hold on. Picks the guy's ear up. Hold still. Hold still. Can you hear me? Let me say. What's your name? Richard? Richard. You can hear? Good. Backs up. Richard's like, I'm not arresting this guy. I'm not arresting this guy. I don't care. Look, here, you put the cuffs on him. I am not touching him. I think Richard just backed up like, uh-uh. No, it's better than it was. I I, I was already hard of hearing. He cut it off. Now I got 100%. Not touching him. He's who he says he is. Dude. Then Jesus walks off with them. He stands before Pilate. Pilate says, are you a king? The man, Jesus wasn't standing before Pilate. Pilate was standing before Jesus. Because he says to him, are you asking for your own initiative or did somebody else tell you about it? In other words, is this a moment where I can get you to come into the kingdom too? The man's about to be crucified and he's still winning people. That's strength, guys. And, and Pilate was so insecure in all his power. He's like, huh, King, I have the power to crucify you. See, that's a man in his insecurity falling back on his position. Don't you know? Because he felt Jesus saying, are you asking for yourself? And he got uncomfortable with that. I have the power to kill ki- ki- I, have, I have the power to kill you. I can kill you. I can kill you. And Jesus says, Pilate, Pilate, you don't have any authority over me except my father gives it to you. And since I'm totally in the spirit and submitted to my father, if he gives it to you, I'm cool with it because I trust my dad. Don't you know I could call to my father right now and he would release an army that you've never seen and they would love to dance with you. (laughs) Take you out like that. So the lamb just shows his lion face for a second. 
Don't think I'm a punk. I'm just lambing it right now. But I'm really the Lion of Judah. Go ahead, put the cuffs on me. That's a bad boy. That's a bad boy. Total power under total control. Wouldn't you love to see leaders like that? We're so used to leaders who have some power and no control. And they mess up nations because of their insecurity. Because they're living out of their soul. And then Jesus is carrying the cross. People are weeping for him. Don't, don't weep for me. I'm carrying this for you. And how strong is he? So strong that on the cross, being tortured beyond words can express. He says, Daddy, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. When, you're, when you've been wrongly accused and you've been mistreated, how hard is it for you to forgive under the weight of all that? Man, it's hanging on the cross, forgiving us. Huge. How does he do it? He goes to the Mount of Olives here, and he's mounting up. He's putting into practice what he told Isaiah. Do you not know? Have you not heard? That God, the creator of the ends of the earth, will not grow tired or weary. His understanding is unfathomable. We are all men, young or old. We grow weary and tired. We stumble badly. Yet those who wait on the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They run, they walk, they don't get tired or weary. Jesus was in the garden praying three times because he was mounting up. I live in D.C. We don't have eagles, we have pigeons. And pigeons just flap. They just flap, 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 flap. Jesus wants us to be men who instead of flapping in our own strength, the strength of our soul, we actually just get quiet and wait. Because eagles will perch themselves up on a high place. And even though they have this massive wingspan, they will just sit and wait for these thermal drafts, these hot pockets of air. And when, those, when, they, when the pocket comes, which is the Holy Spirit in this instance, then they will just simply expand out. And they can soar for hours without flapping. That is the strength that God wants us men to move from flapping like pigeons to soaring like eagles. Not being driven. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. All that pigeon strength will wear you out. Will wear you out. Pastor, do you need to come? Can you do this? Can you do this? Nope. I need about an hour. But if you don't come right now, if I come right now, I'll be a pigeon. If I wait an hour, I'll soar like an eagle, and it'll get done without me having to use any effort. That's how you keep going. But, and as men, we depend so much on ourselves and our own strength that we don't wait to be strengthened. So when we go out, we go out flapping instead of soaring. Good? So I'll wrap up um, just by saying because Jesus disowned himself three times, he was strengthened by the Spirit. Instead of Peter praying three times, he disowned Jesus three times. So you're going to disown someone, yourself or God. And because they were sleeping when they needed to be praying, um, in his soul, he had the right motivation, but he wasn't strengthened. But Jesus knew it was going to happen. And he 
He restored him, and he went ahead of him in Galilee. And I think Peter, James, and John learned this is how we have to walk together. And so as men, we take a lesson from Christ, and we also have to learn how to walk with each other in that way, how to pray with one another to be strengthened. And I mean it. I mean it. Read Revelation 7. It talks about the 24 elders around the throne and how the crowns that are on their head, they simply take it and throw it at his feet. I believe those are real crowns, but I believe God crowns us with loving kindness. He crowns us with strength. He crowns us with wealth. He crowns us with power. And if you try to keep it for yourself, you'll be consumed by it. But if you throw it down, he'll produce something through it with you. And so let's everything we receive from God, give it right back to him and watch him produce something great. Whatever man, is, whatever man consumes will consume him. And we're called to be producers, not consumers, givers, not takers. Everything I receive from God is intended for me to give to someone else. I've, anybody receive love from God? Okay. The love I receive from God, when he says, let my love be made complete in you, his love is not made complete until I give it to Morgan. If I receive it only, I become a, a cul-de-sac. But when I give it, I'm a conduit. And I'm designed to be a giver. So don't hoard anything you receive from God. It, the blessing won't come until you give it. Father, I thank you for these men in this moment. I pray that you would, um, just in a fresh way, Allow us to learn from Jesus, who is like that, um, that eagle. Anybody here this morning a little tired, a little weary? Yeah. Father, I thank you in this moment. We just lift our hands to you. We who are tired, we are wearied. I want to thank you for the weakness of my life because it, it produces constant dependency on you. And I repent for in my weakness, asking you to take my weaknesses away. Paul got the revelation. He said, no, I don't need to remove your weakness. In fact, it will help you. It will keep you from becoming uh, self-conceited. So instead of taking away your weakness, I'm going to give you grace. I want you to hear that, man. God says, I don't need to take your weakness away. I just need to give you my grace. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. That way, I get the glory. And you know you're weak. And everything that comes out of you is by me, not you. So, Father, we just, as men say, like Paul, I rejoice in my weaknesses. <laughs> I rejoice in my difficulties. I rejoice in my challenges. I rejoice in persecution. I rejoice in my struggles. The struggle is real, but it's all good. Because when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong. Because you strengthen me. Lord, let men mount up this morning. Just wait on the Lord for a moment and watch strength come to you. Just wait. Just receive strength from him all over this room. God, we receive strength right now. God, I thank you for the strength that comes from you to us. He's filling you right now. 
He's filling you right now. New strength. New strength is coming to you. You can have new strength every day of your life. God, I repent for my just staying at the place of human thoughts rather than God's thoughts. Give us an upgrade. Help us to run new software. The software of heaven. The word of the Lord. Strengthen Morgan. Strengthen Galen. Strengthen John. Strengthen Brett. Strengthen Alvin. Strengthen Barnabas. Strengthen Troy. Strengthen Robert. Strengthen Chris, Gregory, Philip. Strengthen Brad. Strengthen William. Strengthen Craig. Strengthen Donald. Strengthen Kivan. Strengthen his nephew, Tariq. Strengthen us, Lord. We're weak. Increase power in us today. Just breathe in. Breathe in new life. Breathe in strength. Breathe in power right now. Strengthen Clyde. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen Colby. Hallelujah. How many feel yourself being strengthened by? It's good. So good. Strengthen Chris. Can we give him on three just a great shout? One, two, three. So, I'm going to do just a, a couple of things here. And um, hopefully, you guys all brought your, um, your object with you. Did you guys bring it with you this weekend? Yeah. How many of you guys got it with you on? Is it in your room? Is it back in your room? How many of you it's back in your room? Um, we'll just we'll break here in just a second and have you guys go back to your room and then we'll come back here and, and um, have an activity with it um, I think that the, the goal what we're about to go through together is for you to catch that, that updraft isn't that a great metaphor what a great metaphor what a great picture catch an updraft um, in your soul enable you to soar um, and I'm trying to figure out how I can work in, man. It's like one of the greatest metaphors. Donnell's just got them all, man. It's just it's like this on speed dial. Just, yeah. You know, an hour later. Okay, yeah, yeah. I mean, weave it in. How you just weave it in. Yeah. So, Morgan and I were together um, with a couple of men. And, you know, one of the things I talked about is um, this is where it ties in. To have our Lord express that his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow and that he's grieved to the point of death should in us put us at ease. I mean, if Jesus himself is sorrowful and weary, oh, come on. I'm all good. I mean, if you get there, then of course we do. And we don't think of Christ as being weak. Um, and so we shouldn't think of one another 
uh, wrongly. What I mean by that is, Peter, James, and John, when they got weary and sorrowful, it's like guys who play for a football team or a basketball team and you're winded and tired. And, you know, it's the last, you know, three minutes of the game. And, oh, it's kind of like the basketball game yesterday. <laughs> I mean, no, no. I, I'm, I, I, I wouldn't. Because you were so strong. You were so strong. You got blisters and you back at UT in your mind talking about how much time is left on the clock. And you're like, where's the ref? I'm like, Chris is looking for the ref. He just. <laughs> I wanted to pull out a jersey, a referee jersey, and just go, whoo, whoo, you know, make him feel comfortable, you know. It's like, like there is no clock. Time is gone, man. But, but when, when great players are in the final, you know, NBA game, when they're, they know they're great. They know what, you know, Dennis Rodman can do, what MJ can do. They don't go, this guy's weak. They realize that we're just spent and sometimes we meet one another and you'll find a man and he's just spent, but that doesn't mean he's weak. And when you, when you learn to regard men that way, you will not be afraid to walk closer with one another in what I call lock up. Because when you walk in on a brother, it just might be that he's on his 12th rep. So if you can bench, you know, say, but by the time 250 pounds, you, th- you just snatch it up and it's nothing. But by the time you get to that 12th rep and you're shaking, somebody just walks in and goes like, dude, it's only 250. Why are you shaking? Because to tell the truth, if I gave you 100 pounds, enough reps, you do 100 pounds 100 times. I don't know if anybody could do it 100 times. Can anybody here do 100 pounds 100 times? Okay. So, so somebody can? Just Brett, Brett Holman. Brett Holman. All right, so we make it 200. So, so Brad is on 175, and he's like this. Now, anybody looking at Brad will think, man, that dude's just weak, and he's just, look at him. And it's like, no, no, no. He's on his 175th rep. That's a strong man. What I want us to do as men is learn how to walk so well together with each other that in our moments of weakness, you don't think he's weak. You just go, that's his 12th rep. That's just his 12th rep. And so when a man is on his 12th rep, all he needs for you to do is like, Brett, you got it, baby. Tap the bar. Because sometimes just a, ch- a champ cry, you got this, man, is enough for him to do it. That encouragement, sometimes a tap on the bar. There are many men who fall off into temptation and die and disappear. And it's just there was no one there to say, you got it. I'm with you. Let me tap it. There have been days in my life where I would not have the privilege of standing before you if there had not been a man said, D, you got it, baby. You're strong. I'm with you. And it was enough for me to go. Is that good? And I, can I add one priesthood? So, Brett, come on up with me. Galen, come up. <clears throat> I want to just give you, leave you a picture of how we need to walk together as men and just stand side by side. So, no, stop. You're right there, side by side. Yeah, just like that. So, I do this with the basketball team, and I talk about the power of one. Individually, no one can survive alone. So when the enemy comes against me, my marriage, my family, and I don't want to be open or transparent, I want you to forever, forever this day go forward saying, I refuse to not open up about my life and live that way. I walk with men, Morgan is one of those men, in such a way where I keep my life completely open because... 
I want to walk so well with men that in my moments of celebration, in my moments of crisis, I don't have to find friends. Because in a crisis, if you don't have relationship, it's hard to go to a brother and say, I'm on my 12th rep. Because you're defined by him now as a 12th rep guy. But if I'm walking with him all the time, he knows, okay, that's not who Don is. He's just in a moment right now. Does that make sense? Yeah. But if I, it, but the enemy says you got this because he wants to wrestle you one-on-one. And you can never wrestle and beat him. That's what Paul said. Our wrestle, our fight is not against him. So what happens if I walk alone? You guys take two steps forward. What happens is the enemy goes for me and the first thing he goes through is my throat. Why does he do that? Two things. I can't cry for help. So I'm going, doesn't Brett and Galen care? No, y'all look forward. They're going forward in the purpose of God. See, the, 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 when the enemy never attacks the pack. He looks for the one who's drifted behind. Man, I'm not going to go to prayer this morning. Uh, you know, Morgan's a great preacher, but, you know, I, I got enough from two weeks ago. I don't need to be in a community group. Man, it's just too busy at work to just... And then the enemy gets you. And all of a sudden you're like, man, why isn't Brett calling me? Galen doesn't care about me. All I see is the, they don't even look at me. They won't say hello. And you can't cry for help because the enemy gets you by the juggler. So you won't cry for help. And by getting you by the juggler, he slowly suffocates the life out of you. This is what happens when you walk alone. Sooner or later, you'll get hit by something and it'll shake you. So no man can survive alone. Secondly, no man can succeed alone. If I try to run ahead of them, man, they're too slow. Our leadership team, we should have been doing this. I mean, the homeless mess could have been cleaned up in our city a long time ago. All these projects, you know. You've never seen a quarterback throw a Hail Mary to himself. <laughs> Can't succeed alone. God spread it out so that you need one another. You won't. You see, there's a Zimbabwean proverb that says, he who runs alone runs fast. But he who runs with others runs far. You want to run fast or you want to run far? When I was young, I wanted to run fast. Now I want to run far. But just because I'm standing with these guys, I'm at the prayer meeting, I'm going to community group, I'm, you know, helping out with the homeless, I'm doing all this stuff, mosaic. I can, I can appear to be here. But see, I'm not going to let Brett get too close. I'm not going to let Galen get too close. I need, can you step out a little bit? Yeah, yeah, man, you're too close. Because the closer they get, they can see my stubble, that I didn't shave. They can smell that my breath is bad. See, there's things about me that I don't want men to know. So I want to walk close enough, but I want to be safe. But see, when I get hit by the devil, he can take me out. So you have to walk this close, lock up. See, now to move me, you have to move Brett. To move me, you have to move Galen and every man on either side of them. And since we're all standing on rock, Christ, you have to move Christ to move us. This is the safest place. You don't want to be this vulnerable, but you need to be. Why? Because my weaknesses are now covered by the strength of the other men. I don't have to be eliminated of my weaknesses. I just need to be joined with men who are strong. And their strength will cover my weakness. So I walk completely transparent before men finances, marriage, kids, past, present. There's nothing that I keep a secret. I live open. Now, that requires trust and vulnerability. But I've done it the other way. Mm. Then they read about you in the newspaper. Man, what happened to that guy? 
So this is how you walk. You're on, this is the, we're one now. It's no longer Donnell. We're one. You don't go up to a house and go, ooh, that's a nice little brick. You go, a nice house. Because you're so joined together that you go, house. You don't think single. So if you're in here and you're thinking single, you need to lock up. Before this weekend is over, go, hey, lock it up with me, man. I'm going to risk being open with you. All right? Good. Yeah. Yeah.